We welcome you into another episode of OESA's Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein, host of SiriusXM's Cars and Culture on Business Channel 132. Perhaps just as much as other areas of the industry, automotive retail is facing a seismic shift in the way that companies do business and handle consumers. Not only have consumers changed their approach to buying and selling cars, the industry has changed with them, perhaps in a way many would have never predicted pre-pandemic. So what does the transformation of automotive retail really look like, and what's the state of that side of the business for new and used cars? As one example, with consumer expectations so profoundly different, shopping for a car might have been altered permanently. But behavior is dramatically not what it used to be. But do consumers prefer the direct sales model, like Tesla or Carvana, or traditional dealership experiences? Most importantly, where is automotive retail headed in the future? Matthew Desmond is a Capgemini automotive domain specialist with over 20 years of experience helping traditional and all-EV, light-duty, and commercial vehicle OEMs with digital transformation. His experience includes CRM, sales, captive finance, marketing, retail, service and parts warranty, with a focus on leveraging data to drive business intelligence. He's my guest today on OESA's Automotive Insiders. Matt, what a pleasure to have you on Automotive Insiders. Welcome into the program. Thank you, Jason. Glad to be here. Let's talk about the state of automotive retail. There's so much that's changing in the new car side and the used car side. It is a different world in the retail space now than perhaps it has ever been before, primarily thanks to the effects of COVID. But give me your own analysis. Boy, it sure is. And uh, this is one of the most favorite things I talk about is how the industry has really been upended by all these supply chain disruption and the challenges COVID has brought to automotive retail. You know, in the years I've worked in the industry, there's always been customer expectations getting higher and higher, right? Um, and dealers looking to learn new technologies. And then, of course, the competitors that don't use the dealership distribution model. Um, but man, we're really at an interesting inflection point. Uh, what I would say, Jason, is that we are in an unusual time period, kind of like a unicorn era, where we have such high demand for all types of vehicles, internal combustion, but especially battery electric vehicles, and such low supply. It's really making the future challenging to predict, right? Um, we're all investing a lot of resources in making product, but you know, the question about will people buy EVs in the future? Not answered yet. And the other thing, Jason, is in sales incentives. Um, there has historically been you know, a decent amount of sales incentives available on the market to kind of juice demand when it slows, right? We haven't seen that for, gosh, you know, you know, traditional levels, right? For over a year, maybe a year and a half. And of course, months, electric yeah. vehicles, right? You, the sales and marketing groups in, in a manufacturing company really don't need to incentivize at all. They can rely upon the government. So that's kind of an unusual you know, uh, aspect of the, the current environment. Another thing, customers are really willing to pay sticker price, right? That is a kind of a new development. Um, we all love to negotiate to get a great deal, but now because of the influence of direct-to-consumer and this new customer behavior to order and wait for your vehicle, um, buying sticker is, is not that uncommon. So yeah, I think uh, we are definitely in a very, very unique moment that's defining for you know, what the next 5, 10, 20 years of the industry as we make this pivot to a diverse mix of uh, drivetrains, right? Um, and we have more you know, sustainable vehicles that are coming to market and, and, and happily, customers willing to try them. 
A unicorn era. I don't think anybody on this program has coined that phrase. So we'll go with it, Matt. What are customer expectations when it comes to shopping for a car? I think I alluded to this at the beginning, but there's no doubt that COVID has changed customer expectations perhaps forever. And even dealers being aligned with those expectations now are very different than they have been in the past. But give me your read on that. You know, Jason, it's so interesting. Uh, customer expectations have, have, are high and they should be, right? When you're making a large purchase. Um, but nowadays, I think what COVID has done is it's really pushed automotive in this new space where it was trying to get to, which is, you know, the option for a totally virtual online experience. And it really accelerated that entire process. I think nowadays to compete in the market, regardless of whether you manufacture and sell in your own network or you have uh, franchise dealer partners, whether you sell new or used vehicles, you need to provide an experience that is completely digital, that is frictionless, and it supports what I would consider to be multiple speeds of shopping. So what would that mean? It means that if you use the analogy of a customer uh, going to a grocery store, right? You might have a customer who wants to have the slow and full brand experience, looking at merchandise, picking up the produce, inspecting it, learning about all the offers and values that they've got some time to spend, right? Um, then you might have a customer who just wants to go to the express lane, right? I have 10 items or less. I want to get in and get out. And then you might have a customer that says, I don't even want to come to the store. I want you to bring these things to me and I'll send you that order right from my mobile phone. The customer expectations for automotive retail, Jason, I think are very much in line with that analogy where you need to provide multiple speeds to your customers because some do want to be immersed in a full brand experience. They want the vision. They want to get in the vehicle. They want the new car smell. Some customers just, I know what I want, just order and send it to me. To be able to do that at all those different speeds is quite a technical challenge to make it totally seamless as an experience for the customer. Even take it one level further, uh, maybe they don't want the express lane, but they want a self-checkout, even at the store. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. So many multiple levels here. <laughs> what yeah, that, that, that'd be cool to kind of buy a car with a QR code. <laughs> <laughs> and buying behavior has just changed so much too. And some automakers have, I've had conversations with them where they've said, we if we wanted to, we could not have moved buying behavior and, and in fact, um, instilled patience or, or, or um, a more of a European model of purchasing right. at, at any point. It, if we wanted to move the market that way, it would have taken us so much longer to make that happen. But now it's happened. And now buying behavior has permanently changed, correct? I would agree, Jason. This is fascinating. And I actually uh, wrote a blog piece about this um, not too long ago. So, you know, a little bit of a personal story to me. I do have some family connections in Europe and I, I um, have spent quite some time there on projects for my clients. And what I learned a long time ago was that traditionally, right, in the European market, many customers will order a vehicle on weight and that's just the customer behavior, right? Now come back home to our, you know, great United States of America and we are known for our impatience, right? And our historical desire to find the right vehicle and take it off the lot, right? Um, you might find, you know, 5% or less of customer orders were customized if you were buying through a dealer, say in the past, right? That has been flipped on its head. And uh, what I would tell you is that nowadays, um, to be able to have a customer who is not only willing to configure online to pay one price and, and to wait, right? But to then not expect 
great sales incentives on top of it to sweeten the deal is quite a development. And I think it's very exciting. I do have connections to the industry and they share with me that even though you might not think so, even traditional dealerships would not be so opposed to a model where we didn't have the complexity of sales incentives. And ideally, we could go towards a one price. That's what Jim Farley or Ford was talking about. Um, let's make it very simple for our customers. I think some of the desire for that has come from, say, in this very, very hot market. There have been some cases where uh, a retailer would slap on a premium, like $50,000 to get this vehicle as you can't get anywhere else. You know, that's an experience that really no one's a fan of. But um, to just have a customer, to your point, who's, who's willing to say, you know what, not only am I going to order it, and it's going to be a $60,000 vehicle, but it's exciting to wait. That's the novelty. You're excited to post about it, to share the anticipation. Very, very novel to our American consumer in automotive. So North Americans in, in the post-COVID world develop patience is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> we don't have another choice, right? You don't have another choice. Exactly. How about the customer preference on direct sales model, the Teslas, um, some of the startups that are that are out there versus the traditional dealership experience? You know, what I'll tell you is that uh, there's kind of a, a sword, a knife that cuts both ways. The sales experience through the direct to consumer new market entrance, um, Tesla, which of course is the benchmark, but others as well, you know, Lucid, Fisker, and some other uh, competitors, they offer a great experience um, most of the time, oftentimes integrated with their captive finance or their preferred lender if you want to finance your vehicle. It's really seamless and, and, and it's a great experience. And customers, I think, don't want to go back to a time when you can't do that as an option. But you know, to, to pivot away from, say, new vehicles only, you know, our Carvana and our Vrooms also have a similar type of you know, totally digital buying experience. Um, what I'll tell you is that um, I think customers like very much direct to consumer or a direct purchase by a car on your couch, right? Unless something goes wrong. <laughs> in my experience in the market, um, you know, it, you, it takes time to work out kinks of a business model, but customers more and more want to purchase the entire vehicle or finish the whole process online, right? You know, traditionally, it can take up to four hours to finish the process of purchasing a vehicle the old-fashioned way. No one likes that. But um, what I'll tell you is that um, direct-to-consumer digital is great. But if you hit a snag, you know, there can be some challenges with, you know, the fine print of no-haggle return policies, right? Um, just be very, very clear about if you put up a deposit and you hit past a certain time point, will you get it all back if you don't want the vehicle anymore? So just need to be careful of the TNCs, but generally, customers love it. So finally, Matt, let's talk about where the automotive retail landscape is headed. Where, where is the future here? What do, what do you see over the next few years? Jason, what I see is that the future of automotive retail, regardless of the uh, sales and distribution model, is going to be increasingly digital and increasingly integrated. I see a continued momentum, as we just spoke about, of the customer moving towards a build-to-order model versus the old-fashioned build-to-stock um, which isn't to say if the market shifts, it, could, it couldn't change. But this shift in the buying experience, in particular, when it comes to a customer saying, I'm willing to commit, I know exactly what I want, that actually is more efficient for uh, the dealer as a sales and distribution point or the manufacturer for what do I have to order from my suppliers? How long do I have to wait for it? So I really do see customers becoming more accustomed to build to order and to fully embrace it. 
um, which may mean, you know, fewer cars on those big parking lots we see at the major thoroughfares and, and areas of traffic in our communities. Um, I think that we're going to see more and more reduction of friction. So more digital seamless integration, more online purchase capabilities, total disappearance of paper, even for states and localities that require it. I think we're going to find a way to make it much more uniform and digital and seamless. Um, and also the introduction of more augmented reality, virtual reality for shopping as you know, gamers kind of mature and get into the demographic to purchase a vehicle. And I think we're gonna see the metaverse peek its head in there too. Who knows how that will go? It's kind of early to tell, but I just see more digital, less friction, and essentially the industry pivoting to bring an amazing customer experience like we have in so many areas of our lives. Matt, thank you so much. We, there is a road ahead that is an interesting one. It is a unicorn era and you framed it up for us. I appreciate you being on the program. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. That's this episode of Automotive Insiders. Remember to follow the program wherever your favorite podcast appears. Thanks again to my guest, Matthew Desmond of Capgemini, and thanks for listening to OESA's Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein. We'll talk to you again next time.